radical left has taken over the Democratic Party. Hello and welcome to Think Progressively, covering politics and all the other chaos life has to offer. This is episode 40, recorded on Friday, June 11th from Milwaukee. I'm Joe. And I'm Jason. And on today's episode, we'll be doing a deep dive on the recent resurgence of the COVID lab leak theory. But first, the headlines. The fact is that everything he's saying so far is simply a lie. I'm not here to call out his lies. Everybody knows he's a liar. Well, Jason... Up first in headlines is our favorite Democrat senator, Joe Manchin of West Virginia. On June 6th, Joe Manchin actually penned an open letter saying why he won't vote for the For the People Act, otherwise known as H.R. 1. I'm sure he has some really good reasons why. This is the Voting Rights Protection Act that has been pushed by the House Democrats. Well, we talked about this on a previous episode and Mm -hmm. why people should support it. So in his reasoning, he basically doesn't like it because it's too partisan. That's it. There's nothing else. He he doesn't say that he's against protecting voting rights. He says he's for it, but that this bill is too partisan. And he even goes on to say how voting and voting rights have become politicized and partisan. So the issue is partisan. Yeah, and who's responsible for that? Well, I'm sure obviously it's the Democrats, right? <laughs> They're you the guys, evil ones. That's you, all I hear about how evil the Democrats are. They agree with me. I'm also a Democrat, but the Republicans don't like it. So then I can't vote for it. That doesn't make any sense at all and it all just comes down to he wants to protect the filibuster he's doing the whole mitch mcconnell thing where it's well if you don't have the filibuster who knows what's going to happen you're going to have people who are corrupt with power and you're going to try to use their power in every way they can and do things with them instead he would rather congress do absolutely nothing which is what they've been doing for basically my entire life and that's what's so frustrating to me which is and i know we say this all the freaking time congress doesn't do anything and people hate them for it. Politicians are one of the most hated groups of people in the entire United States. What good does keeping the status quo of how Congress runs help? Or how does it help? What what good can possibly come out of just saying, you know what? Screw it. I think there's some good Republicans on their side, which, you know what? Fine. I'm even okay with saying that not every Republican is evil. I'm okay with saying that there could be some good Republicans out there. I'm okay with all that. But they're not doing what we want them to do. They're not being bipartisan back. So what are we doing here? And the whole idea that, well, we'll just do nothing and it'll be fine in light of the fact that you have 47 states that have bills in their local legislature attacking voting rights. We have more than 10 just in Wisconsin here. It's not like things are not changing. They need a federal voting rights bill in order to protect voting rights. It's not that doing nothing just doesn't change anything, which is stupid just because then people that already have power and money can just keep it and there's been some accusations has been talked about that joe manchin has a lot of wealthy donors including the coke foundation and that maybe he doesn't have the best interests of the voters of west virginia in mind especially since i saw some polls that indicate that the for the people act is actually more popular in west virginia than the stimulus plan was that he voted for that's interesting i didn't know that so the fact that he is so willing to 
just do nothing to protect his state doesn't bear out in the actual numbers when you talk to the people. West Virginia is one of the poorest states in the country, would benefit greatly from protecting voting rights because generally when you make voting harder, it's much harder on poor people than it is for rich people who, as we've talked about many times before, can afford to be off of work and jump through hoops in order to vote. Whereas if you can't do that, you only have like maybe an hour for your lunch, if that, or very little time before or after work to try to vote when you can't vote by mail, can't drop it off at a drop box, can't go on a Sunday or a Saturday. All these things that are under attack, they would really hit those lower income people in West Virginia harder than in other areas. Yes. And also you've got the infrastructure bill that's not going anywhere due to this same kind of obstructionist attitude that again would benefit those people in West Virginia especially. That's what and that's what everyone thought Joe Manchin would do with this he's the the conservative Democrat or the moderate Democrat, and he's going to be the deciding vote for all this stuff, is to use that influence to try to get things specifically for West Virginia added to legislation like the infrastructure bill. Well, you know, if you throw in some extra funding for retraining coal miners in West Virginia, then I'll sign. But the thing is, he hasn't even done that. Nope. He's just refused to vote for anything. Well, and that's what makes me really upset because again these are literally voting rights where sure we can talk about the nuances of infrastructure bills and where funding should go this is literally just hey can we have a democracy that's it can we just have free and fair elections that's it and he doesn't want it because he wants to try to play nice with the other side who isn't playing nice you know he keeps talking about how we want these bipartisan bills to happen then where are they where are these bipartisan bills that republicans are throwing at democrats they're not doing it because their whole job is to not do anything. They don't want anything to pass because that would help out the Biden administration and the Democrats for future elections. And as we see with attacking elections to begin with, their whole purpose is to try to gain back control of the House, the Senate, and the presidency. That's all they care about. They don't have an agenda. Again, what was Trump's platform? What was the platform of the Republican Party in 2020? Nothing. Absolutely Absolutely nothing. They just want power. In his, and I, I hate to say this, defense, in the same letter, he also did push for um, supporting the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which is something, but not nearly what we need. I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating. It's frustrating that literally our entire government can get stopped by one guy. And to me, it all falls on Joe Biden. He's the one who said he could get all of this done. That's what he ran on. And so far, we're not seeing it. We're not seeing the debt relief for student loans we're not seeing 15 dollars minimum wage we're not seeing voting protection well what is he gonna do what's he gonna do with joe manchin he can't do anything to joe manchin if they try to primary him he's welcomed the primary he's like sure please primary me from the left and show everyone how good i am in west virginia or we're gonna take away your committee seats we're gonna try to punish you okay sounds good i'm gonna become a republican now but did he not know that when he ran for president did he not understand that that was the job 
You can't promise that you're going to get this stuff done. And then when there's an obstacle, which everyone saw coming ahead of time, yeah, just say, throw up your hands and say, well, you know, I thought that Joe Manchin would just go along with everything. No one else did. So I'm sorry. You promise it. Make it happen. That's what he kept saying, that he would make it happen one way or the other. Well, here's the obstacle. Make it happen, Joe. I can agree with that. In our next story, let's kind of do a follow-up to our recent episodes about the 1619 Project and critical race theory. All right. And let's talk about a story that we kind of left out of the critical race theory episode, the hiring of Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is the author of the 1619 Project, at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, where she was hired uh, for a position at that university, but not given tenure, which was not expected when she initially took the job that position generally does come with tenure but she was essentially denied they didn't vote on whether or not to give her tenure well and this came as a surprise to basically many staff and faculty she's a pulitzer prize winning journalist she's more than qualified to get tenure she would be one of the most qualified journalist professors in the country given Mm -hmm. her credentials why wasn't she given tenure well a report that was recently published in the Washington Post states that one of the reasons might be one of the or the biggest donor to the University of North Carolina didn't like it is not a fan of the 1619 project or Nicole Hannah Jones Walter E Hussman Jr who of course is an old white guy who inherited his company you know somebody who really worked for everything he's got in life even his name came from his dad <laughs> and has his name on the journalism building yes at unc now unc does deny that husband had any involvement <laughs> oh with yeah this. i'm sure the the guy who's the single biggest donor <laughs> to your university and specifically to the journalism department has zero you just don't listen to him when he says that he doesn't like the hiring of a journalism professor and thinks that she's a hack and a fraud that you would just totally discount that and then you know that position that normally comes with tenure and she doesn't get tenure that has nothing to do with it so let's let's look at what Hussman's actual issues are it is the exact same thing that we talked about in the 1619 yeah, episode literally. and because he just is going by what came out of that letter literally that was that's just he's just parodying exactly what that letter which you know in journalism isn't that considered plagiarism I don't know <laughs> He's apparently not a very good journalist. From the article, and I quote, I just had some real concerns. She didn't seem to uphold the core values of journalism. And I worry about the controversy of tying the UNC Journalism School to the 1619 Project. Based on Hannah Jones' own words, many will conclude she is trying to push an agenda and they will assume she is manipulating historical facts to support it. So Jason, if I remember correctly, this is referencing the issue that we talked about where in the 1619 Project, they initially claimed that the Revolutionary War was initially fought predominantly for slavery that was the or primarily for slavery that was the big idea correct and and as we said in that episode there are actual peer-reviewed published papers that show that the worry of england 
making slavery in the United States illegal or their colony, the the American colony illegal Mm -hmm. was real. It was a thing. They had research from local papers at that time specifically stating that. Well, and not even that though, but that doesn't even matter because they revised it, I think, right? Didn't they revise it? They revised it to say it was one of the factors versus the primary factor. So what's the issue? He doesn't like it because that's bad. Well, you can't I, say that America was born to uphold slavery because that would be a negative thing. Well, and when he says that she's trying to push an agenda, what's the agenda? To tell the truth. Literally, to be an actual academic professor and to historical research. Are you kidding me right now? The other issue uh, that he stated that he had was the, and this is, again, this is right out of that letter. He's not coming up with any new ideas. He's just repeating what he read. The statement that... For the most part, black people have fought, fought for their freedom alone. Their yeah. And everyone's like, oh, no, white people help, too. You can't you can't leave us out of it. <laughs> well, again, from the article, he also said long before Nicole Hannah Jones won her Pulitzer Prize, courageous white Southerners risking their lives standing up for the rights of blacks were winning Pulitzer Prizes, too. Yeah, which is it got really confusing at the end there. Were they all Pulitzer Prize winners? Because then at that point, yes, that's very much on the whole. You're on your own <laughs> if you're only going to count the Pulitzer Prize winning authors out of that. But also, who were they fighting against? Who was killing them? White was, Southerners. Was, was there a lot of black on black crime back in the day? <laughs> so it's still stupid. It's still predominantly, yes, they were alone because the people that they were fighting for freedom against were the white people. Were there abolitionists? Yes. Certainly. But they were, were in they the even, minority. Right. They, they were, were in the majority. They were in the far minority and they were getting outdone by the racist slaveholding majority for goodness sakes and i still remember this from um the white too long book that i read a while ago which i highly recommend you should read if you didn't already is that when they were talking about how they would justify slavery in the churches there were debates between abolitionist preachers and slavery or pro-slavery preachers and the pro-slavery preachers would win the debates over and over and over again the abolitionists were far in the minority and they held very little power if any at all so none of those concerns are even a majority of the work with the 1619 project again as we talked about previously this but is the, really, this oh, is really the all lives merit offense right, of, it's not like, even that tracks. valid it's just i feel like i'm being marginalized and left out of history but what about the white people <laughs> like yeah gee i wonder who else has thought that for all of the rest of american history you know who also fought for women's rights men <laughs> everyone always talks about susan b anthony but. <laughs> Did you know Martin Luther King had white friends? Jesus. <laughs> what a joke. I feel like I end a lot of our stories with me saying that. <laughs> Just what a joke. So hopefully they do reconsider and at least vote on her tenure so that uh, we can see how that shakes so out. So we can treat this like the non-story that it's supposed to be. <laughs> and this is not, this is something along the, the the long history of black professors being treated differently than their white counterparts. Yeah. Cornell West left Harvard because he was not offered tenure. <sighs> Next up in headlines, Texas hospital workers held a massive protest against their hospital's vaccine policy. 
According to The Independent, a hospital, Houston Methodist, told their employees they had to be vaccinated by Monday, and this made them very, very angry. Last month, 117 Houston Methodist employees filed a lawsuit against their employer over the vaccine policy. I think any healthcare worker who's anti-vaccine should just be immediately fired. That would be tyranny, well, and, this and I'd is, be fine with this it. This is insane because, again, healthcare workers already have to get vaccinated with the flu shot. Because you're in contact with people that are in a compromise immune state so yes you really should not be spreading disease as a healthcare worker the article continues by that monday evening dozens of houston methodist employees had gathered outside the hospital systems location in baytown texas holding signs that read get ready for this vax is venom and don't lose sight of our rights vax is venom these are hospital workers jason yep again they should all just be fired well and what upsets me even more with this is these are the supposed now granted okay just because they said hospital workers or healthcare employees that does not mean that these are all doctors right these are not all doctors and nurses or you know the typical people we think of staff right these are just staff but there are some of them in there Yeah, we have a quote from Jennifer Bridges, who is a nurse at Houston Methodist, who was leading the protest. And her quote is, if we don't stop this now and do some kind of change, everybody's just going to topple. What the hell does that mean? It's going to create a domino effect. Everybody across the nation is going to be forced to get things into their body that they don't want. And that's not right. You want to bet $500 she has the flu shot? It's just a one. It's a slippery slope fallacy. See, it's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, you can't force me as a medical worker to get a mandatory vaccine because then what's next? They're going to implant a robot in your brain? Like, huh? And this is a nurse. She is supposed to be a role model for people who do not have any kind of medical training. She is supposed to help people and encourage them to get this type of stuff and get this kind of treatment. Are you, is she really telling me that she's not re- recommending like, any vaccines to her patients or that she's not giving her patients the quality care that they need? Are you serious? This doesn't make any sense to me. This is just conspiratorial nonsense. Of course it's in Texas. Of course it's in Texas. Well, and we're not going to talk about this, but did you also hear that Texas legislators are trying to build their own wall around Texas now too? <laughs> uh, no. So I'm, I'm all for it though. Let's wall off Texas. <laughs> just, can we just do it on the northern border of Texas though? Ugh. <laughs> Give it back to Mexico. <laughs> well, now they're going to say we're not sending our best. And I'm not okay with that. <laughs> you give us these crazy Yosemite <laughs> Sam lookalikes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Mexico. Look, and, and I get that. Again, yeah, you are correct. This is just the same old conspiracies that we, we've been hearing. You know, in their lawsuit, they've been talking about how they don't want to be used as guinea pigs for a new vaccine. It's the same crap. Fine. What makes me really angry, though, is, again, these are healthcare workers who have special expectations because of their job and they are supposed to be role models for the rest of us when it comes to healthcare. why are we expecting crazy conspiracy theorists to give us medical advice on anything and what the heck is going on where we can have nurses and other medical professionals spout this nonsense and still have a job i expect again i've said it here before my father is in a nursing home he specifically has dementia so he needs around the clock care they all had to get vaccinated 
Now, if he were to go to the hospital, like he's got a doctor's appointment or something happens for whatever reason, and he were to get infected by a hospital worker who was an anti-vaxxer, I don't know. That <laughs> that might lead to some problems between me and that hospital. I do. Yeah, that seems totally reasonable to me. So I am, like I said, if you're an anti-vaxxer and you work in the medical industry, you should be fired. You have no business being there. You don't understand science. You don't understand medicine. Go work in some other field. It's the same thing like we had here with that pharmacist that destroyed vaccines early on. Who is going to jail now officially? Yeah, you shouldn't be in that profession. You don't understand how to evaluate evidence, and that's dangerous. In the you know, like you want to be a, a crackpot and have like crazy YouTube channels and, and go do it somewhere else where you're not in direct contact with vulnerable populations of people. Hey, go work for Fox. Well, I mean, even then you're in lots of contact with vulnerable populations of people. Ah, <laughs> oh, what did I say last time? What a joke, man. Is that something? Yeah. <laughs> Your new. My new catchphrase, yeah. what a joke, man. <laughs> and in a rare bit of good news on our show, the Keystone XL pipeline developer has officially abandoned the project. Woo-woo! TC Energy, the company behind the Keystone XL oil pipeline, said Wednesday that it is officially terminating the project. It had suspended construction in January when President Biden revoked the permit to build the pipeline across the Canadian-U.S. border, but it was still kind of in limbo. They were hoping to still work something out. Maybe Trump would become the 19th president officially in March. And they would be able to resume construction. But alas, QAnon is not real. And they have now officially ended that project. So they're not going to be able to build on land that does not belong to the U.S. government by treaty. And further screw over the native (laughs) population. uh, Much to my delight. And I'm sure yours as well. Yeah. Well, super sad boy, Robin Rorick. The American Petroleum Institute. Vice President of Midstream and Industry Operations did say it's unfortunate that political obstructionism led to the termination of the Keystone XL pipeline. This is a blow to U.S. energy security and a blow to the thousands of good-paying union jobs this project would have supported. I don't, and that's the thing. There's a whole other side to this, the environmental side of, you know, there's always leaks with these pipelines and the way that they have to process this, which is like the oil sands is worse for the environment, creates more greenhouse gas. I don't even care about any of that. My biggest issue with this and what is just a deal breaker immediately is just you don't own the land. You yeah. gave that land to other people and, you know, you've committed genocide and kicked them off of their land multiple times. And every time we sign a treaty with Native Americans, we always break it. That's enough. We're done. You know, if they don't want it going through the land that they own. They have full sovereign authority. So that's it. They're done. There's no more discussion. It doesn't matter all the logistics and who would benefit and all that. I, it doesn't matter. They don't want it. It's their land. Go figure something else out. What really ticks me off though with what Rourke said is this whole thing of, well, we're going to take away all these thousands of union good paying jobs. We need to understand here. Those jobs were first off, not super great paying contract. So good luck getting health insurance and other types of benefits. And 
most of all, temporary. These were not permanent positions. So when people talk about, oh, we well, lost all these thousands of jobs, these were not sustainable jobs. It was literally just for this one project and they would have fired all these people immediately afterwards. And I'm so sick of conservatives and Republicans constantly using this line about just throwing the word jobs out there like it's some blessing to the average worker. Well, and also talk about how they're good paying union jobs while also fighting unions, <laughs> trying to destroy unions right. with legislation. Ugh. This is good news. I'm very happy for it. Climate activists are happy for it. Indigenous peoples are happy for it. All the people who don't suck are happy for it. Congratulations to the Ponca Nation. And in more good news, global approval of the United States has rebounded under Biden, according to a new survey. Which, no surprise, we change our president, people have a better opinion of us. <laughs> hmm, I wonder why that is. According to the global survey released by the Pew Research Center, trust in the U.S. president fell to historic lows in most countries surveyed during Donald Trump's presidency. Shocker. I wonder why. Just because everything he said was a lie? <laughs> and constantly attacked all their political leaders? Under Biden, trust in the U.S. president has soared. In the 12 countries surveyed both this year and last year, a median of 75% of respondents expressed confidence in Biden to, quote, do the right thing regarding world affairs. Compared to 17% for Trump. <laughs> I don't have that much confidence in Joe Biden personally, but, you know, if that's the way the rest of the world views him, I, I suppose. 17% at a positive view of Trump worldwide. And I thought that he would do the right thing regarding <laughs> world affairs. That's fair. And even more so, the survey goes on to say that 62% of respondents now have a favorable view of the United States compared to the 34% at the end of the Trump presidency. That's a, quite a swing just based on who our president is. Uh, yep, but good. And potentially... We're finally making America great again. <laughs> We're finally doing it, guys. We're winning. We're doing the things. You can't see, but I'm waving my arms. <sighs> it's crazy in here. All Trump ever did was attack our historic allies and then cozy up to people like Putin and Kim Jong-un. According to the survey, 72% said Trump was dangerous compared to 14% for Biden. And 90% of respondents said Trump was arrogant <laughs> compared to 13% for Biden. And the other 10% was Elon Musk. <laughs> Good. I'm happy. The world almost doesn't hate us again. I'm okay with that. Can we just use the term MAGA now? Can we make it our thing? Just adopt it? Ugh, I don't even like it. It just, just ruins A little it. too yeah. jingoistic for me. I would me. say just too KKK-ish. Because shocker, we actually don't need like a stupid crazy slogan to still appreciate the guy we voted for and you know it's still in progress we'll see we'll <laughs> see if america is actually great we got to get a lot of proposed legislation passed first but to do that joe manchin needs to <laughs> abolish the freaking filibuster there full circle we did it <laughs> all the way around onto the main story <laughs> That was really a pro productive segment, wasn't it? It's hard to get any word in with this clown. So let's talk about the seeming new acceptance of the idea that the coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, whatever you want to call it, we'll just call it COVID, I think, sure. for clarity's sake, 
that the outbreak began from the Wuhan Virology Institute in China and not as a result of a spillover from animals, as was originally expected. And these were kind of dismissed conspiracy theories back when Trump was president. Yeah, he right away blamed China and never said specifically, I don't think, that it came out of that. Because that would be like he would need to know more about the Chinese infrastructure than than he would ever care to know. I don't think he specifically said it came out of this lab in China. No, he's just blaming China. Right, just Although, it's their fault, because yeah. don't blame me for not doing anything <laughs> about it. Right, exactly. Although I did really like what Dr. Stephen Novella of the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe podcast said, which is, however, just because Trump said it doesn't mean that he's wrong, per se. I mean, he could be right for the wrong reasons. Statistically speaking, if he said it, it's probably wrong. Right, <laughs> exactly, yes. But there's this new interest from both professionals and your typical lay people and the media saying that now there's this resurgence of legitimacy that there is a lab leak for COVID's origins. So let's talk about why that happened. Sure. How that? did it go from conspiracy theory to now kind of pushed as almost a mainstream idea? Well, that sounds like a Republican Party. That, <laughs> that sounds like the, the answer to any the reason if there was a conspiracy theory that got pushed to the mainstream. That sounds like the Republican Party and Fox News. Well, Fox News definitely has something to do with it. <laughs> On May 11th, at an event hosted by PolitiFact, Dr. Anthony Fauci was asked if he was certain that the COVID virus arose naturally. His answer, and I quote, I am not convinced about that. I think we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we continue to find out to the best of our ability what happened. Certainly, the people who investigate it say it likely was the emergence from an animal reservoir that then infected individuals, but it could have been something else, and we need to find that out. So, you know, that's the reason why I said I'm perfectly in favor of any investigation that looks into the origin of the virus. It did go on to ask him, will you categorically say that this was not from a lab leak and he basically said the same answer again which was we don't really know so let's look into it i think the most important and overlooked piece of that quote is the people who investigated it say it likely was the emergence from an animal reservoir that had infected individuals like that shows one it already has been investigated and two the people that did that investigation said that the animal spillover theory is the most likely sure but you know at the end of the day China is a very authoritarian regime. They definitely were not honest about their COVID transmission rates earlier on. So I am also all in favor of any kind of investigation that brings more transparency into the picture. And then two days later, on May 13th, 18 prominent virologists and epidemiologists published a letter in the journal Science asking for the lab leak theory to be given a more careful examination and not dismissed in favor of the animal spillover theory. Was this in response to the Fauci interview? I can't remember. I don't think so. This be was separate. Because this was published only two days later, it had to, it was, you know, 18 people signed off on it. I don't think it would have happened that quickly. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like Fauci's answer was almost a, like, I'm sure he'd seen this letter. He's the most prominent right. epidemiologist. These are his colleagues, people that he works with. I'm guessing, and this is spe pure speculation on my part, I'm guessing that he knew this was going to happen. He tried to get out in front of it. And was, way. yeah, almost kind of stating that because he knew this was coming. Right. And I don't, the problem is 
to me with this letter, uh, basically they were saying that, oh, it's because it's been dismissed as a conspiracy theory, no one took it seriously, which I just don't think is the case. Well, I'm okay with that because I think crazy conspiracy theorists did ruin the actual idea that a more rational investigation could have actually happened. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into it a little bit more as we go on. Sure. But let's go ahead uh, to May 20. And this is like now Fox News got a hold of the Fauci quotes like a couple a week or so later and they were pushing this everywhere and it was starting to get you'd hear about it on the news oh it's fauci now says it was a lab leak which is right. not you look at the quote it's not what he said at all but but, then you see things like from the washington post and i think the atlantic did an article on it and a bunch of them how now the lab leak theory is le- like legitimized and then on may 26th the white house released a statement by president joe biden on the investigation into the origins of covid19 where he called for the intelligence community to investigate the origins of COVID and create a report within 90 days. Which I agree with. I don't think the intelligence community is really the best people to... Sure, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Because they're not like experts in virology and, and, and kind of what you would need to do this, but whatever, it, I can't imagine, and this is not really my opinion, but what I've heard in doing research for this, basically the actual scientists that do this work people that have worked with that lab in china mm-hmm. say 90 days that that's they're not going to change anything there's not going to be any difference they're not going to be able to learn anything between now and then because this could take potentially years and they said specifically we don't know where the specific origin of ebola comes from which was first discovered in 1976 so to like definitively know the answer of where this virus came from especially within 90 days highly unlikely do you think Biden set himself up for failure i mean i, I know well he he'll like, get his report i just don't i think at the end of the day it's just gonna say we don't know right well let me let me rephrase that do you think he's setting himself up to basically be crucified by conservatives and republicans when the report shows up empty? <laughs> would it make a difference honestly do you think they would embrace biden if the report came back and said it definitely came from the wuhan institute right. I, I don't think so so i mean yes but it wouldn't matter what he did so why don't we talk about so there's two different theories and a lot of what we're gonna say comes from a a great article written in science-based medicine which if anyone for sure yeah and and it's it's very good if you're interested in actual science and regarding medicine much as the title says that's gonna be an amazing resource Uh, it was written by david dr david gorski and it goes through pretty much everything we're gonna talk about Um, there's a lot of links on that article it goes like in depth about like a bunch and... of different studies that are debunked and stuff that's like also way over our heads yeah and, and it goes into a lot of detail it's a very long article yes. and and definitely worth the read if you're interested in this topic and we're gonna basically just give you an overview probably get some stuff wrong because we are not experts <laughs> in this field but let's talk about it. and and what it breaks down and we're gonna follow that mold is the two different theories that would be the that this came out of the the Wuhan lab. The first one, and probably the more easily debunked, being that it was man-made. The intentional engineered virus yeah. that was released. Correct. Yeah. So this, this is like the hardcore conspiracy theory. So what evidence is there 
for the engineered virus? It's an easy answer. There is none. Do we have a cricket sound? <laughs> there is nothing, at least that actually stands up to any sort of expert analysis. Now, there is a Daily Mail article that was published about a paper that's yet to come out by British professor Angus Dalgleish. Good try. <laughs> it's, it's probably, you know, his name is Angus. So it's probably like Dalgleish. <laughs> and Norwegian scientist, Dr. Berger Sorensen. Would you want your name to be Berger? <laughs> if you're in Norway, okay. I would rather just, you know, live in Norway. So I'll be <laughs> called Berger if I get to live in Norway. Right. Can you name me Berger if I can have health care? <laughs> So one of their claims, they have three kind of main claims in this paper, at least from what I saw. Uh, the first one is that SARS-CoV-2 has four positively charged amino acids in a row, which would somehow violate the laws of physics. And that points to it being man-made. Wow. Obvious flaw with that. <laughs> uh, I was like, newsflash, PSA. <laughs> humans are also not able to violate the laws of physics. Hot take. So if it violated the laws of physics, I think that would actually be the biggest uh, indicator that it was not man-made <laughs> because we don't know how to do that. Uh, but also, it's just not true. Uh, there are thousands of proteins that contain four or more aligned amino acids of the same charge. So, yeah, just... I did like there was a there was a tweet in that article about how um, someone was debunking this with the same things that you were just saying, saying that there are tons of things where proteins can contain four or more aligned amino acids of the same charge, which happens all the time in humans. Therefore, humans were genetically engineered. Oh, well, that's what the creationists. Yeah, I was say, just right? gonna say that, like, oh man, now we got the intelligent design crowd <laughs> all happy. Crap. But again, it happens everywhere in nature. It, I don't know why they made that claim. It's just not true. Uh, also, they claim that if COVID was a natural virus, it would evolve to be more transmissible but less deadly or pathogenic. Problems with that mutation is random. Natural selection only works over time. So as this is a novel coronavirus, it was only discovered in 2019. For us to make claims about kind of its evolution this early, just a little bit more than a year later, is a little difficult. <laughs> because if you're going to talk about evolution, you're talking about natural selection. Mm -hmm. Well, it hasn't really had enough time yet to shake out when it comes to natural selection. But also the death rates of the virus have in the general population been low so less than one percent that doesn't mean again you hear that number by people that want to tell you that it's not dangerous that call oh, covid is nothing you it's much the rate is much higher in certain groups so older people people with compromised immune systems the death rate is much higher right. it's just you have to round that also in with the entire population so children people that are you know under 30 in good health if you put all those together, it's under 1%, which the virus doesn't care if it's killing off all the old people. It still has this huge population right. that it can be transmitted in. See, that's... Well, that's just the law of large numbers. Well, and that's what... When they talk about a virus like the Spanish flu, famously, mm -hmm. after it evolved, eventually became less deadly and is really responsible for all of the seasonal flus that we still have to this day. But that killed like a good chunk of the world population population in 1918 when any organism kills its host it's less likely to continue to evolve because it dies off with the host right so that's kind of
kind of what they're saying is that, well, natural selection would normally push over time again any organism to not kill its host because it would be less likely to to be transmitted. We don't know what's going to happen ultimately with the COVID virus, but it doesn't kill a lot of its the people that it infects. And as we found out really early on with this, most infections are asymptomatic or only mildly symptomatic. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have a hard time moving through populations or hiding itself in order to survive, which is where you would expect it to need to evolve to be harder to detect it's already really hard to detect because it is moving through the population undetected very easily that's kind of one of the biggest problems with it so it already does a great job at it it wouldn't need to have any evolutionary pressures in order to do something it's already doing so that's that's a kind of a weird statement as well and i feel like they're just looking at other viruses i think specifically the Spanish flu and just extrapolating from that because we know what happened there and they're just making that same claim about COVID when it's not it's not doesn't have the same symptoms right off the bat and a lot of that you could say is not natural selection but down to modern medical science we are able to treat COVID infections more rapidly learn from what works and have better outcomes artificially and it still works the same way so an odd statement and something that if that's their claim it really doesn't hold up again there's there's none of their claims under any sort of scrutiny hold up so okay so this is bad science then how did this get published it's well it's not published yet and the journal that it is supposedly set to be published in is not actually a journal that deals with virology or epidemiology. epidemiology. It's, it's a biophysics journal, if I remember correctly. Correct. And probably doesn't have the greatest scientific scrutiny uh, when looking into some of the other things that are published there, which that happens. I mean, you could maybe get a paper published about how the entire field of gender studies gender studies is <laughs> corrupt if you shop it around to enough places eventually you know especially if you pay to have that study published right although i will say now comparison to that crazy experiment that went awry i don't think this was a predatory journal where the, in the gender studies thing and for those who do who don't know we're not gonna get too much into <laughs> it because it's old news and it's stupid but long story short a couple of guys who wanted to discredit the entire field of gender studies research published a journal with that was just it was supposed to be a hoax paper and they got it published and it was a bunch of nonsense and they made a big hurrah about it saying this is why gender studies is so stupid because they will let anything in well it turns out that they actually just paid for it to be published in a predatory pay-to-publish journal so that was stupid on their part i don't think this was a pay-to-publish journal i think this is still an okay journal it's just not in his field so it's still not the most reputable journal out there but it's not like as bad as the gender studies issue from what I could tell. And there are a piece of evidence that a lot of people will go to is that scientists were working on gain-of-function projects or gain-of-function research that basically helped enhance the coronavirus
virus, which then ended up leaking from the lab. For those of you who don't know what gain-of-function research is, good, join the club. I don't either. Basically, gain-of-function research looks at how pathogens can be more transmissible in humans and how they can become better spreaders among different lines. Now, there's a lot of ethical issues and health and safety issues with that. So actually, back in 2014, the Biden administration put a whole pause on funding all gain-of-function research. Now, the conspiracy is that the NIAID or the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Infectious Diseases, Diseases, which is run by Dr. Fauci, funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is doing some aspects of -of gain-of-function research on coronaviruses. Now, granted, basically all the work that they're doing at the WIV is on coronaviruses because they have a plentiful supply of coronaviruses to research at the WIV. Well, it's a big... WIV is a big institute. Some of the labs they have are dedicated to coronavirus research. Yes. And we'll get to why that is yes. near the end. But they are doing research into what a- another SARS virus would look like if it jumped to humans. And if it was more transmissible. And because, and this is, you know, part of the the other theory as well, the lab leak theory, but that's what that lab was built for. This is where the original SARS outbreak took place. So it's no coincidence. Well, and this is where you also get like that very famous video where Rand Paul was arguing with Dr. Fauci about gain-of-function research and how the U.S. was funding gain-of-function research with taxpayer money. And that's just very misleading. And here's the issue why. When Rand Paul tries, and any conspiracy theorist, but especially Rand Paul, would talk about gain of function research and the funding of that research, he intentionally misinterprets what the funding is used for and how that funding is dispersed. So, like Dr. Fauci explains, and you can find these records anywhere, the NIAID or the NIH does fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology as well as institutes all over the world, like the rest of the world does. You'll see, um, I think it was like the Europe. European Disease Coalition or something like that too, and many other places like in Germany and France and the UK, all fun places like the WIV. And they do it as a generalized grant. Now, we still are fully aware that they're doing gain-of-function research over in WIV. So as part of the grant, a stipulation was put in place saying that if they were going to use this type of grant money, they cannot use it for any gain-of-function research. So when we're talking about the US actually funding gain-of-function research for this covid um, virus that leaked out somehow that's just completely not true it's just these, speculation these are, right these they're, are they're just, these are just general funds and grants that have been going to the wiv for god probably since the wiv has been in place <laughs> and more importantly i feel to kind of talk about this well did this happen there's no evidence that this is what happened it's just someone making up a potential story and actually runs contrary to the evidence that we have so far far. So let's talk about what evidence we have right now that this was not a man-made engineered virus. Here's where it gets complicated. <laughs> we don't know what virus this came from. If this was man-made, someone would have the virus they used to engineer this virus. So the direct progenitor of the engineered virus would have to come. They didn't build it from scratch. It would have had to come from an existing virus. And then mutate it, basically. Right, change it, engineer it, whatever. Well, we don't know. We don't have that direct next closest virus. Now, it's been reported they do have a somewhat similar virus at the WIV, the RAT-G13 
virus, which is... From a rat. It is from a bat, actually. Well, that's just misleading. (laughs) And it shares 96% in common with the the COVID, the SARS-CoV-2, but is not. It's thought to have common ancestor that's about 50 to 70 years removed from the closest virus they have at the Wuhan lab. So that's an issue. Maybe they're lying and covering it up. That's a big issue. It's possible. But again, these are scientists that have worked with this lab for years previous to this. And since that came out, there was a closer match discovered in December of 2020 from frozen samples of Cambodian bats taken during research in 2010. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, but let's go to the next piece of evidence against it being an engineered virus. All right. And this is like these words I don't really understand, but they're going to come out of my mouth anyway. The, you don't say that. You just pretend <laughs> to be an expert. The RBD binding solution, which is, I guess. I know what that is. How the virus attaches to human cells. Okay. The RBD binding solution does not match expected man or computer-based modeling. And I have written here, I'm not qualified to evaluate this <laughs> statement because it's true. I have no idea. But basically what this is saying is that, yes, remember we said they did gain a function research. Mm-hmm. at the lab well they have that data the who world health organization has that data they have the computer modeling that was done and it they used a mouse as the intermediate for that virus and the solution that they came up with to try to basically make the virus infectious in humans is not what we see with the COVID virus, the outbreak, the pandemic virus. Okay. And what actually worked in COVID, their modeling suggested would not work. And it has to do with specifically where these proteins are that bind and and the mechanism for how that works it was not expected and the computer modeling suggested that it wouldn't be effective in human transmission but as what generally happens in these things out in the wild it didn't match the the modeling it didn't match the the expected outcome so why if it was engineered why did all the top experts in this field not think that this would be how it would work you'd think if it was man-made then it would match what we we would have expected that that's the line they would have went through is you know science and and what their research pointed at instead of just something altogether different and there's the other issue of they would have had to constantly be testing this on humans and we would have seen other outbreaks and something like yeah yeah. instead of it just being because you you couldn't to test transmission you can't just have like two people you have to test in larger populations and generally uh, those things are noticeable by things like hospitals and other people it's not like china is 100 closed off to the world there's tourists from all over the world all the time we would have seen other infections other outbreaks well and that's another thing too is when you see people who try to say that this was an intentional leak the idea of actually unleashing it or supposedly leaking it right near the supposed lab that it was created in on your own people <laughs> What benefit? To do what? Um, But also, continuing along this line, the bonding solution that we do see in the 
SARS-CoV-2, the actual outbreak COVID, matches known pangolin virus. I love pangolins. <laughs> binding. And that correlates with the hypothesis that pangolins were possibly an intermediate host between bats and humans. Are you telling me I can't go near pangolins? Well, they're the most poached animal in the world. I believe they're endangered, so I don't think you are legally allowed to I go near I just want to hug a pangolin. And this comes... In a man dream. <laughs> they're, they're very... They, if you're not aware of what a pangolin is, it kind of looks like an armadillo, and apparently they are as disease-ridden as armadillos are as well, <laughs> because they have been responsible for spillover viruses to humans in the past, and they also share a natural range with that... Cambodian bat species that we talked about a minute ago, which would be a very likely mechanism for this to happen. And there's also the bit of evidence that people in Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, and Vietnam, where both of those animals share habitat, the outbreaks of the coronavirus or the COVID virus were less severe than even in their neighboring Southeast Asian countries. Okay. Suggesting that possibly they'd had previous exposure to a similar virus. These, when these things do spill over from animals to humans, it usually just doesn't happen once. And you get these... Well, it just keeps on happening while the virus mutates. Right. And, and they, they, like, they'll give it to this animal, this animal gives it back to them, so one of them jumps to humans, a human gives it back to another animal. These things bounce around quite a bit. So it's not unexpected that in the population that possibly was exposed to this type of transmission historically, that you might see some immunity or at least a lesser symptoms in that population and that also you know we could talk to the nurse from houston that's how we know vaccines work <laughs> because this has happened and been documented for at least a thousand years that's how we figured out the the smallpox vaccine because you used the similar virus cowpox which is much less deadly but granted immunity to smallpox because they're similar enough and that's type of thing has been documented in china forever they would take smallpox scabs and either grind them up and have people snort them to vaccinate themselves against smallpox or they would literally take a needle and use a smallpox scab and jab it with the needle into somebody's arm to basically give them a light exposure now we don't use live viruses all that other stuff if you're worried about vaccine safety look into it it's you're fine but that's how vaccines work <laughs> if you're exposed to a similar virus generally that may confer some immunity to its cousins so yeah jennifer <laughs> So all of those things kind of give you the idea that this occurred naturally. It fits what we would expect from a naturally occurring virus rather than something that's completely brand new and man-made and engineered to be a weapon. Okay. So then, okay, fine. So it's not engineered. It was a occurring natural, well, most likely an occurring naturally virus that mutated who would still have leaked from the lab itself. Could they have been researching a naturally occurring virus? And then, oops. 
then did a big oopsie and everybody got sick. Well, what is the evidence that that happened? The biggest piece of evidence is just that that lab exists in the same city that the outbreak was first detected. And we talked about this before recording. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And that would be the same thing if we had a virus outbreak here in the U.S., we traced and it back to Atlanta. Right. And it started in Atlanta where the CDC is. It would be reasonable to suspect that it might have come from the CDC. It wouldn't mean that that's what happened, but that would generally it's a be possibility. your first thought. Yeah. So I understand. Like, okay, we've got this lab in the same city. They're specifically studying coronaviruses, and they had a coronavirus outbreak in that city. All right. Well, some history on the lab. It's been around, I believe, since the the 50s but the lab that's generally in question is the wiv's national biosafety lab which was constructed in 2014 under a collaboration with the french government run siri lab a lot of people talk about well this is the only level four biosecurity lab in china which is true coronaviruses weren't considered to be that dangerous previously so the research is actually being done in the level two and three labs now they're being done in the level four lab because of the pandemic right but just the fact that they have the only level four lab well uh, coronaviruses weren't even thought to require a level four lab previously so that's that, just more that's circumstantial just, yeah red herring the research on coronaviruses were specifically done at that lab as a direct result of the first sars outbreak which was thought to have originated in the local bat population in the the country the countryside of, of wuhan so or hear me out <laughs> that was just their first attempt at engineering the virus before that lab existed yep so that's Here, think why. about that listeners at home and it had been predicted for years both inside and outside of china that a new coronavirus was likely to jump to humans in that region because they have close contact with stressed animals both through animal trafficking and the wet markets that are in that area well that's specifically why they wanted to do all the research for coronaviruses there because there's an abundance of vulnerable populations in that area and they specifically have the animals that are reservoirs of coronavirus correct and the bats are the biggest ones but like we said pangolins they also have the tanuki the uh, raccoon dogs i know everyone calls them raccoon dogs we all know the word tanuki in the united states did you not play super mario brothers 3 i mean i just call it the, the raccoon suit <laughs> it's <laughs> a tanuki it, it is a tanuki i didn't know that until like maybe two years ago <laughs> you know they have giant balls too apparently that's like a big thing in uh in in uh, Japanese culture is like <laughs> tanuki balls. You can, if you're brave, you can look into it. Don't do it at work. But uh, that, that's a, a little little fun fact you get only from this show. It's like if a yeah, raccoon made it with a small dog or like yeah. a dingo. That's why they're, they're a lot of times called raccoon dogs. I'd be horrified if, they, if this thing sprinted at me. Good lord. <laughs> oh my gosh. So look at the balls on oh that boy. guy. <laughs> So these are. I was looking at Mario, sorry. (laughs) Just looking at Mario's pants. (laughs) His sugar lumps. So we knew 
that it was likely to be a coronavirus that would jump to humans. It was likely to come from this area. That's why they had the lab there doing that specific research. So is it as big of a coincidence as it sounds initially if you just say, oh, the coronavirus outbreak happened in the same city where they've got a lab that specifically reaches coronaviruses? No. It's more so the (laughs) other way around. I mean, the relationship is causal, but just think of it in reverse. Another big part of the reason why this became such a, a talked about theory is there were was an intelligence report that came out that said that three researchers from the Wuhan Institute of Virology were sick with COVID in November of 2019 before just slightly before the major outbreak. This comes from an intelligence report uh, that was written at the end of the Trump administration. So you have to wonder about the motivations there, considering Trump was constantly blaming China, always looking for anyone to blame. And especially look at some of the news stories coming out recently, which we'll probably talk about on a future episode where the Department of Justice was used personally and illegally to investigate Democrats Democrats and any one they didn't make it into the episode script i was gonna use it for <laughs> next week don't well, spoil we, we it still can but so he's shown that he'll use his government offices for partisan gains and, and for personal reasons yeah. so but they did go to the hospital though like that is a real thing right that was confirmed it's the the point of like pushing that though this means that there was a lab leak because they had COVID. Well, and that's the big thing, right? Is that they did not test positive for COVID. And in that report, it does state clearly that their symptoms were consistent with seasonal illness. Now, it China, COVID. China is in the Northern Hemisphere. They have the same seasons we do. It gets cold in November and flu spikes up. And they had, that was in the middle of a flu outbreak in the same area. They also had a swine fever outbreak at the same time they had to actually destroy a bunch of pigs because again in china the way their wet markets are and everything people are in close contact with stressed out living animals something that we are not in the united states you go to the market those animals are dead they're not transmitting viruses right and that's the problem with these wet markets and why they do harbor all these viruses and why you see most of the flu variations come out of China. That's why the first SARS came out of China. That's why bird flu came out of China. It's because of this close contact between sick and distressed animals and people and animals with other animals that they wouldn't normally come across in the wild. It is this whirlwind of virus transmission and mutation and it's exactly what you would expect. Right. So there's a few different things going on that could have potentially caused the same symptoms that the researchers had now researchers again were tested for antibodies and they were found negative now the criticism there is well china China. lied yeah they're trying to cover it up which maybe but you can only go with the actual evidence we have and the evidence we have says that this is not significant there's nothing here well and i don't know if this is a good time to talk about this or not but we also need to really understand the difference between looking and investigating this and understanding again that 
China is an authoritarian regime. They did lie about a lot of stuff. We also cannot use that as motivated reasoning to just basically try to blame China or the Chinese government because we don't like the CCP. They certainly weren't as upfront as we would like when it comes to initially how bad was this? Well, that was, and- the, that was the big thing, right? It was, it was an initial transmission rates among Wuhan citizens in their own country. That was a big deal. However, Republicans are constantly, and you'll see this all the time in these um, conferences where Republicans are asking Dr. Fauci and other medical professionals, well, how do we know that China didn't just suppress and lie about the origins of COVID? We don't have any evidence for that. We have evidence that they lied about the transmission rates early on, but we have no evidence at all that China lied about the actual origins of where COVID came from. And the fact that they're intentionally saying that or equating the two is disingenuous. So other than some circumstantial things of there being a virus research lab specifically for coronavirus in the city and there being some researchers that did go to the hospital for illness, what evidence is there that it wasn't a lab leak? Why do scientists favor the idea that it was a naturally occurring virus over the hypothesis that it came out of this lab? Let's hear it. There's a couple things. First, the initial mapping of cases. So you can go back. We knew who I think the first 170 documented cases were in Wuhan. They show concentrations around multiple markets in Wuhan, not just the Hunan seafood wholesale market where it was originally reported to come from, but multiple markets across Wuhan seem to be kind of the epicenters of where this started. And that is on the other side of the Yangtze River from the WIV, from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They start there. They're concentrated there. They spread, and eventually they spread across the river and start going from there. But that's not what we would expect. It would go the other way. If it came out of that lab specifically. Right. Also, there are multiple viral genetic lineages, and there are different ones for different markets. So the the Hunan seafood wholesale market was... um, the line B and a different market was line A. Okay. And you can see the people that reported to be at this market, they are all... Line B or line A. Right. And you can separate them out. And that is consistent with the virus jumping from animal populations into humans. So, you know, it's not going to be just one animal that's sick with this coronavirus that can infect humans. It would be multiple. And they would expect it to be at multiple markets multiple locations and infecting people in different areas with different similar strains of that virus. And that's what we see. You wouldn't expect to see that if this was a specific strain of a virus that they'd been holding secretly at this lab that just got out. You would expect that it would all be similar. And then eventually, as it jumped from people to people, then all of a sudden changing instead of it being clustered and segregated at these markets. So that's why we believe, or me, yeah, I believe, that's the research that I've done. No, that's what the actual people that work at the World Health Organization that went to China that researched this, that's why they believe. As an answer to those 18 virologists and epidemiologists that wrote that letter to the science, that's why. That's why they favor the zootopic animal spillover theory compared to the lab leak theory because there's evidence and it points to one over the other if we have new evidence 
that can change. But you have to find the evidence first. That's how science works. And people are actually looking. It's not that they just gave up on one theory or the other. They're just going where the evidence points. And right now, it points towards there being an animal origin. Well, and that's what um, Dr. Gorski was saying in his science-based medicine article, which was he thought when he was initially doing his own research for this, he thought there was new evidence that came out, which explains the resurgence of the popularity of this new theory. And there's just not. It's the same evidence we've had for almost this entire time. The only thing that's different is we're seeing, we'll say, some reports coming out, a couple of bad studies, and just general circumstantial evidence that's leading to rumor and gossip and just overall unreliable news, basically. And that's what's pushing this whole thing. And of course, the entire right-wing propaganda system that just absolutely hates Fauci and hates Biden with a burning passion. So does that mean that it couldn't have possibly been man-made or couldn't have possibly been leaked from the lab in Wuhan? Of no. course it could. It's it's certainly a possibility. It's much less likely that it was man-made. Like that's out there like bat crazy. Right. It's much more of a conspiracy theory. There are people that do this for a living. That's that my are... intended pun. Do you, do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> bat yeah. yeah, But uh, the people that are experts in this field feel, and this is directly from their words, that they would be able to tell if it was. It's not like China has like it's sequestered way above and beyond everybody else expert scientists in the field of viral engineering that they would just be able to create something that no one would be able to figure out. That's just not the case. No. There are worldwide experts that are not in China that are looking at this and saying, no, there's no telltale signs that this was engineered. In fact, quite the opposite. So that's much less likely. That's much more in the realm of conspiracy theory. Unless <laughs> there's a worldwide cabal of these scientists. Right, they're all in on it together. And they're all in on it. The Illuminati. Exactly. Finish it out, it's all about the Illuminati. <laughs> but as far as the, did it leak from a lab? Probably not. Probably not. There's no evidence of that. Again, we still don't even know what virus line it came from which if it was a it was a known virus that was in a laboratory that shouldn't be the case right again unless china is and that's almost like it almost makes the lab leak the oopsie theory just completely untrue it would almost had to have been on purpose because they would have had to have been keeping this secret and then people say well they destroyed the evidence so you know but these are again these are scientists that have, this lab in china is not a monolith as we talked about, they get funding from the U.S., they get funding from Canada, they get funding from France. France helped build the lab to begin with. They're not, like, walled off, owned by the government of China, just completely separate from the rest of the scientific community. That's not true. That's not how it is. So for them to have just, they accidentally let this virus out that they were also secretly working on and didn't tell anybody, and that's the virus that leaked out, it would, again, be improv. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but it's much less likely than another coronavirus jumped from animals to people as what has happened before. It's just this one was way more transmissible and caused a global pandemic. That's much more likely. These things happen all the time. Rabies the bubonic plague every flu virus they come from animals and jump to humans that's what happens that's what we expect 
So again, Occam's razor, what's the more likely theory? I was just going to say that too. I said, at the end of the day, just use Occam's razor. I know it's much more thrilling to live in a world where everything's a conspiracy and everything is a secret you need to discover. But but it's not even just that in this situation too, because it's also literally xenophobia, nationalism, jingoism, and just overall a hatred of communism and socialism and everything like that when it comes to China. And that's being pushed by propagandists in the United States. And let's also be fair too the chinese communist party is also pushing its own propaganda where they're saying how well the u.s is just trying to use this to start a war with china or they actually leaked it from their one of their own labs like they're not blameless in this like let's make that very clear like they're doing their own stupid idiotic propaganda that's trying to be anti-american anti we'll say i don't know global research into this stuff global global epidemiology i don't know but at, at the end of the day all you have to know is there just isn't evidence for it it's possible it's just not plausible and you have to be very careful because with a lot of these types of conspiracies it goes down a rabbit hole very quickly with a lot of circumstantial evidence that mean nothing stick to the facts stick to what experts in the field say and get a wide variety of opinions from experts not just so and so token expert who believes that this is a conspiracy right get a wide opinion of experts and see that the vast majority of the virology and epidemiology community does not think that there was a lab leak as of right now there's just no evidence to support it so send this episode to your crazy conspiracy theory friend who's thinking that the chinese communist party is trying to kill off american democracy with this covid 19 stuff or send the science-based medicine article to one of your aunts and uncles who just doesn't understand how vaccines work or send it to jennifer down in texas and then tell her to get fired at the same time in conclusion screw jennifer from texas all jennifer's from texas <laughs> Oh, Jennifer. We have an anti-Jennifer from Texas bias here. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in the next episode. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at ThinkProPod. You can email us at ThinkProPod at gmail.com. And remember, when in doubt, think progressively. This is episode 40, recorded on Friday, June 10th. Oh, (laughs) I tried to do it on the spot. I didn't know what day it was. (laughs) Almost. Yeah. Get rid of that, yeah.